Well, hello there, my friends, and welcome back to week two of Beginnings. My name is Andy Addis, and I have the privilege of being the pastor at uh, Cross Point Church, where we are on this journey trying to establish some spiritual foundations. We are looking for some of the linchpins of the faith to help move us forward, and we're calling this short journey Beginnings. Now, we started last week by talking about one of the crucial elements of the faith, which is confidence, the assurance of our salvation. And once we have that under our belt, it leads us to a place of some action steps. And that's exactly where we are. We begin our journey of understanding how to grow in our faith, whether this is a brand new adventure for us, or maybe we're coming home, or maybe we've been there, but we just need a a little bit of a kickstart, some fuel to the fire. So that's where we are in this journey. And we want to invite you in to today's discussion. And what are we talking about today? We are talking about the spiritual issue and the disciples' action of baptism. Now, the minute I talk about baptism, there will be some of you who think this is a foundational, fundamental, super important issue. Others of you go, not a big deal. The only way we're going to know how important this is and what place it should have in our spiritual life is if you and I would be in a place where we will investigate, we will be prayerful about it, and we will actually walk through the paces of knowing what the Word of God says about it and what our Spirit teaches us about this. Uh, the, the Spirit of God inside of us teaches us about this. And, and so for us to do that, I want to challenge you to be open to hearing what God's Word says and to wrestling with some of these principles because I believe that baptism is a foundational step that leads you through and to a process of real spiritual growth. To begin, let's, uh, let's put this in some categories. The first thing I want to ask is, what is it not? Not what is it, but what is it not? Baptism is not the key to your salvation. It is not the washing away of sins. It is not the thing that quote unquote saves us. Matter of fact, what Jesus Christ did on the cross because of him and how sufficient he was, it is complete. And if there's anything a human being has to do to add to that, then we are diminishing the value of the cross. And I don't want any part of that. As a matter of fact, John 3, 16, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And you say, why'd you read that? It doesn't say anything about baptism. Exactly. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. doesn't say anything about baptism. Baptism is not the linchpin to your salvation. Jesus is the only one who can bring that to you, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. Baptism is something else, but it is not the key to your salvation. So we ask the question then, well, what is it? What is baptism? Well, there are three things I'd like you to lock onto. Here's the first one. Baptism is a symbol. It's a symbol. Now, what do I mean by symbol? When you go into the water and you go backwards under the water and then you come up out of the water, this was a symbolic representation of Jesus who died, put into the water, was buried underneath, and then resurrected, come up out of the water. It is a symbol of what he did through the cross because water is a cleansing agent and it's an identification agent. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But but it's a symbol. Every part of the baptism process is a symbol of what we believe about Jesus and what we believe about our faith. It says in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and following, Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
You see, the symbolism there is just as Christ was dead, buried, and resurrected, we go into the baptistry to show that we are dead to ourselves, but alive in Him, and we walk in the newness of life. So it's a symbol. Baptism is quite simply just that, a symbol. Second, it's a testimony. That same passage talks about we were buried with him and we now walk in newness of life because what we see in Jesus, we are saying we adopt that. We are covered by that. When we are baptized, we are saying thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And we are declaring to the whole world that this is who we belong to and this is what we believe. Now, this is extra important in a biblical context because they were always, baptisms were done publicly out in the marketplace. And there would be family members and maybe people you did business with who said, I can't believe you're becoming a Christian. They would turn their backs on you. You were dead to them at that point, but you were publicly professing what you believed and who you identified with. It's still the same today, even though we do it in church buildings and it's more celebrated than it is cursed. But baptism is still a symbol of what Christ did and a testimony of who we are now and what we believe. And third, it's a symbol, it's a testimony, it's also an obedience. That's right. One of the reasons that I include this on the list of things that are spiritual disciplines is it is the first thing that Christ asks you to do after you become a follower of Him. It's the first thing we see again and again. It says, repent and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. They heard the word, accepted it, and were baptized. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's known as the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Did you catch it? When Jesus sent us out, he said, go make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when you ask what baptism is, the first thing you need to say is, well, here's what it isn't. It isn't the thing that saved me. Jesus is what saves me. It's his sacrifice and his work on the cross. I couldn't add to that or take away from it if I tried my whole life. If I had a thousand lifetimes, Jesus is the only one who can affect that. But it is a testimony and it is an act of obedience. So it's not my salvation, but it's a symbol of what Christ has done. It's a testimony and an obedience. Now, the next question is, so who needs to be baptized? Everybody who believes in Jesus. There are no exceptions. Everyone who believes in Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, after 3,000 people. Now, this was a major move of the church. God's Holy Spirit has poured out, and Peter preaches this amazing message, and about 3,000 people come to know Jesus. And what does it say? So those who received his word were baptized. That's the very next thing that happens. After they received his word, they were baptized. And they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. You see, if you are a follower of Christ, the next step for you is obedience in baptism. I bring this up a lot as a pastor in counseling because I'll be talking to a husband or a wife or somebody struggling with an addiction or wanting to know God's call and say, well, have you been baptized? And they'll always look at me like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, my thought is if you don't obey the very first thing that he's asked you to do, why would you get instruction on the rest of this? If you can't be faithful with the first task, why is your boss, why is your Lord, why is your master going to entrust you with something else? We have to get this right because it's the first thing that he asks us to do. So if you're a believer in Christ, this is for you. Everyone who believes needs to be baptized. 
The next question for many is, well, how do you get baptized? I got a cousin who was sprinkled. I've got another one who went down to the river. I got another one who said they can only be baptized by so-and-so in this way. Uh, I got another friend who was wholly wet wiped in the parking lot. I, I, I have no idea. There are all kinds of different ways out there, but let me help you out with this. If you want to know biblically how you should be baptized, the how, it's by immersion. That means to go under the water and come back out. Now, why do I say that? Well, the word baptize in the scriptures is actually pronounced baptizo or baptize. We didn't change the word. If you want to translate the word, here's how you translate the word to dip underwater. Yeah, so it's quite clear that when the Bible uses the word baptize, it means to dip under the water. And so if you're going to be baptized in our faith community, we're going to baptize you in that way. Now you may argue back and forth and say, well, God will accept this and God will accept that. And I'm not going to get into that debate with you. Uh, the reason is I don't think it's a thing worth dividing over. And I also don't think it's a, a, an issue worth breaking fellowship over. But I will tell you this, when I read God's word, the word baptizo means to dip under, and the baptism that we will practice means to immerse underwater and come back out. It's the model we see in Scripture, and I don't think that uh, I have any desire to change that, any right to change that. So that's how we are baptized. Then the big question is, when should we be baptized? Well, we've talked about this a little bit, but first of all, as soon as possible. You see, when we put it off and we wait until great-grandma can show up for this, or we want to wait until this happens or that happens, then the reality is we kind of turn it into a Christian prom. It's more of a, a rite of passage than a real spiritual testimony. And so I want to encourage you that if you've got some things that are holding you back, you weigh those out. Are those more important than immediate obedience to Jesus Christ? Because what is the phrase? Delayed obedience is disobedience. And if we should be baptized, we should just go ahead and do that. But the when question, the, the timing of it is a little deeper than that as well. You see, some people will come to me and say, well, I was already baptized when I was a baby, or I was baptized when I was a child. And I would ask them the question, did you perform that baptism? Did you enter into that because you were wanting to share your testimony? You were wanting to declare to the world what you believe? Or was it done for you before you could make that decision? Now, all of you who have experienced infant baptism, or maybe you went through a confirmation process and, and you were baptized um, at the end of that process, but later in life, now you're going, but now I understand this. Now, now this means something to me. I want you to look back on what happened in your past. That is a blessing. Your parents wanted you to be raised in a godly way. They dedicated you to the Lord. They put you in a place where you could learn some things. God bless that. But the reality is baptism is intended to be your decision. So you don't need to negate what happened in the past, but your baptism needs to be your baptism. So when it comes to when, I think that it's not so much about we wait till this age or we do this or we do that. The reality is that baptism best takes place in this way. You live your life, you have an encounter with Jesus and your life is changed and then you're baptized. If baptism comes before any of that, then it's not your baptism, it's the dedication of your parents. It is the, uh, the love of the church that is being lived out around you. But your baptism needs to come in this order. I live my life, I had an encounter with Jesus, and then I chose to be baptized because of that encounter I had with Jesus. So when, well, it's after you've had your relationship with Jesus begun and as soon as possible after that. 
All right, there are some questions that people always have about baptism, and they're logistical. How, how do I go about doing this? Well, the best way to do that is get in touch with your staff member. They'll be able to walk you through the paces and answer any of your questions. If you need to know how to do that at Crosspoint, go to or send an email to info at crosspointnow.net. We'll be more than happy to respond as soon as possible and, and get your questions answered. But here's what's going to happen next. Once we begin the process of talking to you, we're going to confirm your salvation and your understanding, especially for children. We want to make sure that they have truly entered into a relationship with Jesus. Remember, live your life, then you're saved, you have an encounter with Him, and then you're baptized. We want to make sure that that has all taken place before your baptism, and then that you understand what baptism is, that it's not salvation, that it is a symbol, that it is not salvation, that it's a testimony, it's obedience. And we'll walk through that with you. Next, we'll develop your testimony because part of this incredible process is being able to declare to the world what God has done for you. And we make this extra simple. In some of our locations at Crosspoint, we will uh, do a video. At others, it might be an audio recording, but at every level, we'll at least help us write out our testimony. And we generally do this by finishing three sentences. The first sentence is, my life before Christ was. And you fill in the blank. The second sentence is, the reason I accepted Christ was, you fill in the blank. And the third is, and since I've accepted Christ, my life is, and you fill in the blank. Once you've done that, however we develop it, however we make that available to everybody for the day of your baptism, that'll be dependent upon your staff and your location. But either way, your testimony is the centerpiece of looking at what Jesus has done for you when they see your life as an example, buried with him in his death and raised to walk in a brand new life. Next, we'll schedule a time. We want to do it as soon as possible, but we want to do it when it's convenient for you and when your family can be there so that you can be a testimony for them. Don't worry about modesty. We'll take care of you. We have a t-shirt to provide for you. You'll wear shorts uh, or a swimsuit uh, under that, but we'll make sure that we'll do everything we can to, to keep you modest and make it a pleasant experience. Speaking of that, we'll do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make it happen. Uh, I always tell this story. There was a young man in our congregation who was scared to death of water, and so he avoided baptism even though he really wanted to. So one day, we emptied the baptistry, and we let him walk around in it when it was bone dry. Then we filled it up the next week, and it was about knee high, and, uh, and he got to wade around and see that there's water in here, but, but it's not going to engulf you. Then we filled it up the next uh, week, all the way up, had it nice and heated, and we practiced bath baptism. And it was interesting. It was like putting a cat in a toilet. This guy did not want to go down, but it ended up being a great experience because he got to the place where he was comfortable. He could walk through it and it made it an opportunity for him to share his faith, even though it was absolutely terrifying to him. Now, that's what I'm saying. We'll do whatever it takes to help you through that process. We want you to be able to live that out in your life. And so whatever it takes, maybe you're afraid of water, you're afraid of crowds, you're afraid of preachers. I don't know what it is. We will find a way to make this happen for you. So on the day of your baptism, you'll arrive. We'll walk you through the process. You'll change clothes. You'll only have to answer one question out loud. And the question is, have you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior? You say yes, then our pastor's hand will go up. That'll be your cue to plug your nose and grab your arm. Why do you got to do that? Water shooting up your nose does not make for a pleasant experience. And you grab your arm because your reflexes will make you karate chop your pastor in the neck if you don't do it. So you'll plug your nose, you'll grab your arm, and then we'll go down into the water and back up with these words. It's a privilege and an honor to baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're buried with him in his death 
and raised to walk in a brand new life. And when you come out of the water, there will be a celebration all around you. Be the best part of the service. Lives will be potentially changed because of you being willing to step out in obedience and do what you need to do. Okay, so those are the logistics. You may have some more questions. We'd love to answer those, but let me just give you one final story. It's from Acts chapter 8. It's this incredible story where Philip, known as an evangelist, he is being told by the Lord to go to this specific place, rise and go to the south on the road leading out of Jerusalem to Gaza. In verse 27 of Acts chapter 8, it says, And he rose and went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip, come up and sit with me. And now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this one. Like a sheep that was led to slaughter, like a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opens his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot, stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, that contains every element of what we just talked about. He heard about Jesus. He was living his life, and then he heard about Jesus, and then he accepted the message, and then he got baptized. It's a beautiful picture of him symbolizing what Christ had done for him, being obedient and doing it immediately. And I love the question that he asked, and I leave it with you. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, you may have every excuse in the world, but what prevents me from being baptized? You, you may be dragging your feet for X, Y, or Z, but I would ask you again, what prevents me from being baptized? I don't believe there's much that keeps us from it except things that don't matter too much. Let me encourage you. Memorize the memory verse for this week, Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Call a staff member, get in touch with them, and walk through this process. Share uh, your testimony. Begin filling in those blanks, those three sentences. Start working on that testimony, and then share your decision to get baptized or your need to get baptized with somebody. Ask them to pray for you and hold you accountable. It will be beautiful. It will be amazing. We cannot wait to celebrate with you. This is the first step of all the disciplines that lead you to a place of amazing obedience. When you do this, then the doors open up for everything else, Bible study, worship, service. But we must begin at the beginning. We must offer up what Jesus told us to do, repent and be baptized. It's at the beginning of your walk. I know you can do this. We are here with you. It's time for us to start something new and we'll join you in this beginnings. God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.